Mark's pod, yes. Forget about welcome back to them. Welcome back to us. Yeah, hello. Uh, it is it is another episode of, of Top Marks. The one thing that the internet did not have enough of, of course. Wrestling podcasts. Well, I mean, it has a lot of wrestling podcasts. It doesn't have a lot of wrestling podcasts that are good. Especially, it has very few, I think only one, us, that are the best yeah. wrestling podcasts. Yeah, especially like wrestling podcasts in particular that are called Top Marks. I mean, there's only two. <laughs> yes, and only one of them is good. We'll leave it for you at home to figure out which one. Though... Josh, I believe you did a little bit of scouting on that front. Before I, I ask you about that, I will first introduce myself. If this is your first time listening, my name's Justin Morissette. My name is Josh Custodio. And you listened to the other show? I listened to like 30 seconds and, of the other show. And that was enough. I feel great about ours. Yeah. These guys were, I mean, oof, it was embarrassing. It's like five total idiots sitting around one microphone in what could only be a parking garage. I mean, it, it was, if you guys are listening, which I'm sure you are, because we seem to have awoken them. Yes. The, the two episodes that they initially had that I thought this episode would trump, we, we, we've woken them up out of a slumber, out of their hibernation. But guys, I got to think you're listening to this, and if I'm to give you some pointers, just stop. I mean, there's <laughs> there's nothing there. It, I mean, each of your opinions is this is only in thirty seconds. I yeah. mean, the quality they just start. There's no intro. There's no introduction. There's no grand, uh, you know, broadcaster welcoming you in and setting the stage for everything that is to come. There's no Howard Finkel no. of that show. Are you the Howard Finkel of Top? Mark? I mean, in some ways, I assume I am, but I'm also like the top number one baby face in the company as well. <laughs> I, got, I, I might actually be working heel on this show. I feel like I am like, I do have a bit of an ego. Not in a real way, but in a, like a in like a kayfabe way. On oh, okay. This show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it, it is episode three of Top Marks. This Top Marks, anyways. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll have a big show feel. Like, you know. It, I, I got to tell you, this one already feels like our best episode. Oh, I, well. Should we reveal? Should we take a peek behind the curtain and break kayfabe right now and let the people know? Oh, bud, what about protecting the business? <laughs> this is, I am not protecting the business right now. Go ahead. Because I'm going to tell the folks at home, this is not our first time recording episode three. You and I got together two nights ago. We did this same exact thing, and we had a great time doing it. It was. We thought it was the best the show had ever been. I mean, of the at that time three episodes, <laughs> it was definitely at the top. It's like we're improving because I thought two was better than one. Exactly. Imagine so, what four is going to be exactly. like. Exactly. Well, we'll find out because technically this is four, while also three at the same time. I have done a hundred episodes of my other podcast and never lost a recording one single time in three weeks. I've already created a lost episode you're on another podcast top marks yeah it's called real good show i love that show oh well thank you so it's much it's one of the second best podcasts on the internet <laughs> right behind top marks baby <laughs> all right but this was a big week for top marks it not was. just because our listener numbers exploded from uh week one to week two but because there might be one listener in particular who is a very powerful man i, I think that that's uh it's only obvious at this point. I think it's it's definite that... Well, do you want to reveal who this man is? Yeah, we believe 
that Titus O'Neil has been listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because if you listened to last week's episode, which I hope you did, it was great stuff. Lots of them did, and thank you so much for the listener numbers. That was a great surprise. Yeah. Uh, we did a little thing uh, where John Cullen asked us to fantasy book our own factions. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just uh, augmented something that already exists on the current roster, which is, of course, Titus O'Neil. We're a big fan of the Titus brand. Love you and Titus I have brand. been on board with the Titus brand for quite a while Day now. Day one-ish. Yeah, and around then. Yeah. Somewhere in that area-ish, you know? <laughs> uh, and, uh, okay, well, let's just play the tape back. This is me last week. My faction is called Titus Worldwide, <laughs> and it is, like, it'll be gimmick infringement on Pitbull, but, you know, like, I feel like Pitbull's working a heel gimmick as a babyface performer. <laughs> like, Mr. Worldwide, like, that is the the biggest heel nickname to give yourself in the world. So His music also innately heel. Yeah, although some people like it. Titus Worldwide, it's Titus Worldwide, but uh, that's my team, uh, Titus Worldwide, baby. You sound good. Great take, if I don't say so myself. Good. Uh, Somebody loved it quite a bit over at uh, the Fed, you know, because. (laughs) Let's take a listen to Titus. This is Titus O'Neill on the Monday Night Raw that aired immediately after this episode. The new number one contender and the newest member, superstar under contract with Titus Worldwide. I think there's only one explanation, Josh. Well, I think we have the explanation because yeah. this week, Justin, as you know, yes. but I'm going to let the people know, I, in all my infinite wisdom, tweeted at my buddy Kevin Owens this week. Okay. And I said, Kevin, can you please join the Titus brand? I'm a huge fan of Kevin Owens. I'm a huge fan of the Titus brand. Let, let's have some marriage going, baby. Let's do it. Even though he's not on Raw, you think Titus is going to start showing up on SmackDown. I think there's no reason no reason that the Titus brand shouldn't encompass all programming. Because of course it's now Titus Worldwide. As we just heard. As I prophesized. (laughs) As I I'm just giving my shit away for free out here. Yeah, we gotta get some paid. Exactly. If there's someone in the writer's room or someone in the locker room listening to our show and taking my brilliant ideas and putting them on TV, like give me at least like 50 bucks per thing you steal, you know? Here's how we know that person is Titus that you're referring yes. to. Yes. I tweet this to Kevin Owens. I do not tag Titus O'Neil in this tweet, Justin. You Wall just said. write the words Titus brand. I write the Titus brand. Kevin, can you please join the Titus brand? Who likes the tweet, Justin? Titus O'Neil. So who is searching Twitter for the Titus brand? The words, the phrase, the Titus brand. Titus O'Neil. Which is, first of all, so on character and on par. It's perfect. But I posit that he may have even gone beyond just searching Twitter. He definitely Josh, did. what if he was searching the entire internet for any mention of the phrase Titus Brand? He would have discovered the show notes for last week's episode, which would have led him to probably skipping ahead to like the 50-minute mark or so <laughs> and being like, oh, this is a, this is a great idea. <laughs> I'm going to take this to Vince right now. I, I think that that's... At this point, we have to say that is what happened. Because that is not the only case of no. something we talked about last week, having seeds planted on television the week after. No, we have some more auxiliary evidence. Now, this isn't as blatant as yours, okay? this is I'm going to admit this out the gate. But I also, too, fantasy booked a faction last week. Yeah, they didn't exactly take your scripting verbatim. No, but, I mean, <laughs> they, they did off the seeds were planted, as you yes. said, because... I said uh, my idea last week was starting a faction called Max Violence, led by Dean Ambrose, who one of the members of this, who he's never shared a ring with before, Rhino. Yes. 
You know who we're tagging together in the ring this week for the first time on the same team? I've never shared a ring before. Dean Ambrose and Rhino. So, you know, Titus, we're probably going to have some great ideas this week, too. You may as well grab your notepad, pal. Here are the three rounds for you, Titus. Yeah, here's what we're covering this week. Uh, In the first round, Justin, right off the top, the hot start, we're going to talk about if the brand split is a good or bad thing in totality. You were at the house show, the Vancouver WWE house show this last week, and you had some thoughts as it pertained to the brand split. Yeah, because uh, Seth Rollins appeared on the show despite the fact that it was a SmackDown show, uh, and they made it feel super special. We're also coming up on like one year since the brand split was announced, and I think this is an interesting time to kind of look back and see uh, whether it's been beneficial for the business or not. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into this G1 special that's happening this Sunday in Long Beach, California, Uh, but primarily Cody Rhodes, if you like, road to get here. Uh, I think he's had a super interesting career since leaving the WWE and worth some discussion because this could be a big Sunday for him. And it's hard to believe that it's been more than a year since he left WWE also. That is crazy. And uh, the main event tonight, Justin, uh, the women main evented all three shows this week. Did and you know that? And it's only right that they main event top marks this week as well. There's no question. That's the big four by any measurement. We're going to talk about uh, the the women's revolution in WWE uh, in over the last like 18 months or so, uh, what has succeeded and what needs work and what might have gotten a good deal of work on television just this week, in fact. Well, let's dive right in. Round one. Fight! All right, Josh, so the house show on Saturday. Tell me about it. Uh, It's a SmackDown show, and it was an exciting experience just because Jinder Mahal and the Bollywood boys, now Singh Brothers, are are presented as being Indian heels on television. But I think most fans know that they are, in fact, Western Canadians. That's right. Uh, Jinder's from Calgary. The the Singh Brothers are from right here in Vancouver. So I was excited for the show no matter what because... I knew that that they were going to get like a hero's welcome and it was far beyond even what I expected. I saw a video and it I mean who could have predicted the place it sounded and you you were there. It sounded like the roof came off the place for these heels. Yeah. Seemingly all of Surrey was there to cheer on their Indo-Canadian heroes, which, as they rightly should, and I was amazed that they sold out of gender t-shirts before the first match had even taken place. That's amazing. So his merch was hot. He could not have been hotter. uh, But they were able to come up with a hot main event as well because of the fact that Jinder was slated to take on Shinsuke Nakamura. That did not happen. Because ultimately, uh, Shinsuke, in in a case of bad 205 Live storylines <laughs> coming true in reality, Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> lost his passport. No, I and, heard it was stolen by Brian Kendrick. And could not get into the country. What a shame. So uh, Vince McMahon woke up in the morning at like 8 a.m. as Seth Rollins is about to step onto an airplane to head to Monday Night Raw in Los Angeles. Gets him on the phone and says, we need you in Vancouver, pal. <laughs> and uh, that is where I'll owe you one. You know, yeah, he definitely he, for sure owes him one. He hopped on the plane. He came up to Canada and said they kayfaved it by saying uh, that he was doing this as a, as a favor to his dear friend, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> that Daniel Bryan needed him. And when Daniel Bryan calls, you got you to gotta say Yes, yes, yes. Now, so the favor yeah. trumps the contract yeah, that he has in Let's Get Night Apparently, apparently. Great way to get yourself over as a baby's face also is just to <laughs> yeah. say, 
Daniel Bryan is my good friend, and we hang out all the time. He's my best buddy. <laughs> yeah, that is probably the most baby face yeah. thing you could do besides be Daniel Bryan. I mean, for years it worked for for Roman Reigns. Like that was the only <laughs> time that he was not booed out of the building was when he was his only character trait was that he was <laughs> Dean Ambrose's friend. <laughs> it's like we totally drink beers together. Don't you love beer, Dean? <laughs> <laughs> I love putting back. It was the least natural I've ever heard someone talk about drinking cold beer. It was like, yeah, I I love drinking that that beer, boy. It is so tasty to drink. We're going to have a wild night out on the town. Sometimes it goes right to my head. Believe that. Who, mama? Um, Justin, let me ask but, you: Were you disappointed but, Shinsuke didn't make it to this house show? In some ways, yes, because his entrance is special. You want to see that entrance, and I wanted to see that in person. In other ways, no, because Seth is my boy. He's right. my favorite. Uh, raw superstar anyways and just like the thing that jumped out at me is that it made gender feel bigger right like as as much as the crowd popped for a very unexpected appearance from Seth Rollins uh, and I thought he had been in Vancouver to film a movie or something but that was not the case at all thank god uh, <laughs> we might talk more about WWE films a little, <laughs> little later but uh, no he was there just to work the main event match against Jinder Mahal and I feel like the guys on SmackDown, despite the fact that I enjoy the show, and for much of the brand split, I've thought it to be the better show overall, the legitimacy seems hindered by the fact that a lot of the main stars are on Raw. And you shouldn't let that hinder gender, you know? Right. Like, he should still have, like... As much as I think these Randy Orton matches have been good, and he does have other guys that he can go against in the future, uh, like AJ Styles or Kevin Owens or any number of incredibly talented workers, like Sami Zayn even, uh, that he has available to him on SmackDown, there are so many top-level guys who are on Raw. And that is like, that's the one thing. Like, that's the number one benefit of getting bumped up to that upper level as a WWE superstar. Like, it's the reason why a, a super push, unless you are like the great Kali and literally cannot even <laughs> walk, like, it's hard to fail because... Like, even in the case of Roman Reigns, and I will concede that Roman Reigns is an extremely talented superstar who has so great matches on the reg, uh, like, at this point in his career. That was not always the case when he started to get that push, but he always still had strong matches because they paired him in months-long programs with the best possible workers that they had in the company. It's he definitely how you get better. Working that house show circuit with the good workers is definitely how a guy's going to improve, Yeah, right? and, like, we've seen improvements from Jinder even just in the last two months. Definitely. Of having gone from a guy who works a three to five minute popcorn match to a guy who has to work the 15 to 25 minute main event style WWE match. Definitely. And uh, like that's how you get better is by having a slew of opponents who can carry you until you're good enough that you can carry the next guy who gets the push you got. And I feel like the brain split limits their ability to do that. I don't know that it's like so bad that. It needs to die, but I like I. It felt so spectacular seeing Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal in the same ring. So what you're saying is, if it was WWJ World Wrestling Justin, yeah. there would be no current brand split. You would you would put these brands back together. Is that what I understand? You want you want more options for every superstar, especially at the top end. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, but I also would prefer that. Like the shows stay kind of unique in mm, like okay I, so but this was happening even before they officially made the brand split 
happen. That's true. Because uh, it seemed like if you wanted to tune in week to week and, and check in on the intercontinental title scene, or even the women's division for the most part, those divisions might appear on Raw from time to time, but they carried SmackDown almost every week. And now, granted, there's two women's divisions now split over both shows, uh, and even that might not be entirely beneficial to improving the work rate of every woman on the roster. Probably but not. But it does give them all more time and probably more opportunity than they get otherwise. So, I like, it, it is a trade-off, and I do understand sure. that. Here's what I would say. I agree with most of your points there, especially as it pertains to just seeing guys crossing paths, getting new looks. It keeps it more fresh and interesting. But I would argue you were using the example of gender. I don't think on a one-show system, not a one-show, but the old system, we'll call it, that Jinder's getting that push. I think on the secondary shows, the, the B show, if you like, you can get the Jinder pushes. You can get fashion files. You can get these guys who are perennial mid or, in Jinder's case, lower card guys, and they get a little bit of room to breathe. They're more willing to try things out, and I think that's a huge benefit to the brand split and furthermore you talk about gender and seth rollins crossing paths and how how exciting that was for you it felt like this huge moment i think that's because of the brand split no i think the solution to appease both of us here is to have crossover matches on the big four pay-per-views which they sort of do not really what was the last one i mean yeah i guess like survivor series but that was just the survivor series right. matches when, w- when was that uh intercontinental title match between miz and Sami Zayn? i think that was the first pay-per-view after the brand split wasn't it that was Am probably SummerSlam, maybe i don't know it might have been i i don't recall but there was also that weird match where like the entire cruiserweight division was on the line <laughs> yeah but they weren't wrestling yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was great um I, I like those big moments. I would like to see Night of Champions become a pay-per-view where there's no titles on the line, okay? No titles on the line, not one title match. But you get the equivalent champions on both shows facing each other. So currently you'd have, okay, Jinder versus Brock seems a little outweighed, but the tag champs on both shows face each other. The women's champions on both shows face each other. The IC and the US t- champs face each other. What do you think of that idea as I mean to sort of satiate what you're looking for? I think you're very close to finding the perfect solution that, I always that, am. that fixes, uh, that appeases both sides, basically, because I do want to see more crossover, and I also feel that, like, limiting the joint brand pay-per-views to just the big four does a disservice to pay-per-views that are currently a bigger deal than, say, a Survivor Series. Right, I Survivor Series has a storied history, and I will give them credit that this year they were able to make it into a pretty big deal. And the, the actual Survivor Series was great. probably had something to do with that. The Raw versus SmackDown men's match in particular was spectacular. I loved that match. Uh, but, you know, go further than that. Money in the Bank is a bigger show than Survivor Series. I it agree. just is. It is the new King of the Ring. It, it like even clearer than someone winning King of the Ring to designate them as a future top star. You are putting a a briefcase that says this guy is going to be champion on someone. It is it is King of the Ring, but just in a ladder match instead of being spread out over the course of a tournament in one night or what have you. It's the same concept. Whoever know. wins it is being bumped up to an, another level, and to limit that to one show is not ideal. And you are running way too many pay-per-views right now anyway, so the point where most of them don't 
matter. They don't feel like a big deal. We talked last week about even Money in the Bank for SmackDown was kind of like it had this chill effect of putting all of the feuds that SmackDown had going on pause. Like, that is frustrating. Right. And and having shows on Sundays, like, every two or three weeks is also frustrating as a fan. Like, I, in some ways, enjoy it because we watch all of it. It is true. Because we're yeah. crazy people who <laughs> like having wrestling as an excuse to get together with friends, but it is also too much. Like, they, they, they occasionally do three separate pay-per-views in a three-week period, and that is not something... Uh, in a five-week period, rather. Three pay-per-views spread out over five weeks. That should never happen. Yeah, you can't get the builds. You... And that would never happen if you had six joint-brand pay-per-views of the course of the year, the Big Four plus Money in the Bank plus Night of Champions, and that would make Night of Champions a big deal. A big deal. Also, like maybe even bigger than WrestleMania. It's like, who is the kings of... Who who is the king of kings? Well, in the fallout, it's Triple H. But I mean, who else is it? Um, <laughs> it is time to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of the fallout from events like that. Yeah. Okay. So somebody does lose, and uh, or or even to your money in the bank uh, example, there you get subplots of the guys want to win, but they probably also want it on their show. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, these are things that that uh, they're not even entertaining right now by having no cross brand pollination. But then if you go back and forth on the odd months in between those big six and switch which brand gets the brand-specific pay-per-view, then suddenly those brand-specific pay-per-views start to feel like a big deal again, because right now they don't. Shows like Payback, shows like Fastlane, shows like even Money in the Bank, like they do not feel like big-time pay-per-views. They feel like a big episode of Raw. Sometimes they even feel like a bad episode of Raw, and that is not (laughs) something that a pay-per-view should feel like. I know that the model is different now that they've gone towards network versus pay-per-view buys, but like your big events should still feel like big events, and I do feel like that is the most harm that the brand split has done, is that... Brand-specific pay-per-views are almost entirely skippable. I cannot think of the last time something major happened on any of them. Oh, uh, the the women's Hell in a Cell felt big at the time. Oh, that's Although true. That, that one, I don't think it delivered much. It, the Owens and Reigns had a Cell match on that one, right? Um, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, Whatever it was, that, that was the last one that I felt like, okay, they've got something going here with the brand-specific, but I, I felt like that pay-per-view kind of fell flat. So I do agree with you. Um, I like I, it's that there's things to get excited for in terms of the, the shake-ups or the drafts and this sort of thing. I look forward to those and getting new looks. So uh, I am pro-brand split at the end of the day, but I completely understand your point. And I, I mean, I understand your point also that it does give more time to specific rosters, which gives a greater opportunity to elevate guys. And you and I both love Breezango. Yeah. And like... I think it's a great act. I think it's the funniest thing going. I think Tyler Breeze in particular is probably the funniest person currently in WWE. Maybe Rusev. And not only... Oh, fun, yeah, Rusev is hilarious also. But not only did they not get a chance like uh, before the brand split, they also didn't really get a chance on SmackDown for like a year. It's a good point. It's um, a good point. But, but they are getting a, a chance now and they're running with it and I do appreciate the, that the brand split gives them that opportunity. My thing is though, when you have a guy who goes to SmackDown and becomes a big deal there, it, it is like, it, it puts more uh, pressure on WWE to still treat them like a big deal if in the end, at the next shuffle, you transfer them back to Raw. Because mm. I think we saw for a year that Dean Ambrose and The Miz are 
like top level high end main event talents. Yeah, and absolutely. Raw is not treating them that way at all. I think the feud on Raw's been pretty good. I agree it's with you. It's been a but good feud, but they're clearly placed in the mid card. Sure, yeah, completely agree. You had mentioned that even in a no brand split world, you would like very distinct flavors for the show. You know, different belts. And I think Daniel Bryan did come out and say after he his injuries forced retirement that the plan when he won the IC belt in that ladder match at Mania was to basically just revive SmackDown. He, If you wanted to see that Daniel Bryan, if you wanted to see the IC belt, you were going to tune into SmackDown on Tuesdays. Unfortunately, a Sheamus headbutt ended all of that. Well, at least Sheamus, uh, <laughs> we, we got the second best wrestler going still. <laughs> thank goodness. That would have been disastrous to have lost both of them. I think there's like an easy solution here too, which is that the way a guy like Jinder Mahal can be champion and still feel like a big deal and have a whole slew of opponents available to him is that like the universal title on Raw never needed to be created. Yeah, I it's think we a have this stupid in belt that you never needed if you just allow the fact that if you're a champion, you get to go back and forth between both shows. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a Brock Lesnar reign where it was still just the world title and he just popped up show to show. He was just a mercenary. Yeah. Who, who, who's up? And then you've got fresh opponents for him month to month, every pay-per-view from either card, basically. So you're like the fact that your champion is gone... I mean, it still might affect both shows pretty badly it would, yeah. from time to time, but it's it's more opponents overall that could stretch out a title reign for someone like Brock, who's going to carry it for a while, even longer. Someone like Jinder can get to have these cool matches against Seth Rollins, and that's not like, uh, I mean, it's not a, a freak thing that only happens at house shows. And like, right. they are adding raw people to SmackDown shows. We're going to see Brock in July, it was announced, uh, fight Baron Corbin I'm at a Detroit house show. We're I not actually going to see it, but it's I, happening. Why not stream it? Remember those Beast in the East, this sort of thing? I think they did one for MSG too. I'd love to see Brock and Corbin. I think that's fun. So do we think the brand split is overall good? It has its ups and downs. I say overall good, uh, but there's some things that could be better. And that's 15 minutes. Thank God. <laughs> Moving on to round number two. Round two. Fight. <laughs> Justin, have you have you heard of the, the wrestler Stardust before? Uh, I do believe he was a gentleman who uh, had a, a prominent position on SmackDown anyways, week yeah. to week. He'd be in this glowing room full of lights that's and stuff right. in the back. It would be it was like it was like the opposite of Bray Wyatt's room. Like Bray Wyatt's <laughs> room is like dark and smoky. <laughs> That's the description. And Stardust's room is like bright light. So you remember Stardust. Of course, yes. yeah. Do you know current Ring of Honor champion Cody Rhodes? Uh, I think I've heard of that guy too, yeah. He he beat our friend Curryman to win the title, I believe. Same fucking guy, Cody Rhodes and Stardust. <laughs> yeah. Same guy. Same guy, Curryman and Christopher Daniels also. You're blowing my damn mind. I don't think you're right. <laughs> I, I don't think you're right about that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Of course. Christopher Daniels is a man and Curryman is a dish. Exactly right. How I mean, they be the same person? You're being ridiculous. It's impossible. Curryman has a plate on his head. Chris Daniels is bald. <laughs> of course. You can see yeah. his bald head all the time. Of course. Yeah. I don't know why. My we, apologies. I don't know why we have you on this Big thing. mistake. I, I make gaffes. All, like, like I said, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the indies. As I just demonstrated in thinking that Curry Man could possibly be Christopher Yeah, Daniels. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. I guess it's up to me to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> but, but, Justin, Cody Rhodes has had such an interesting wrestling career, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, he is one of those guys who, you know, was a WWE homegrown product, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, same crop uh, as, like, Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, even. Guys who've just 
been in WWE their entire careers, have never really wrestled on the indies at all, don't have that cred. Uh, And I I was interested when Cody left. I had mixed feelings about it. First, it was interesting to uh, know and have revealed because I remember thinking when friends of mine would be like, oh, this dog shit Stardust gimmick, he hates it, it's an insult to him. I remember telling my buddy, my roommate up north when I lived in Chetwin, being like, no, like he actually... Like, he made a promise to his father before he died. This was their final conversation ever. It was like, stick with it, kid. Give it your all. And he made a promise to the old man that that's what he was going to do. And it meant a lot to him to be able to do that. And whatever your feelings on Stardust as a character overall were, you cannot deny that Cody Rhodes gave every single last ounce of himself to that character. Yeah. One of the few guys who, who did all of his media appearances in character and kept mm-hmm. kayfabe constantly as Stardust. And the fact that he even came up with an entirely original move set. Amazing. When he swapped from Cody Rhodes to Stardust. Also crazy. Uh, but I think we've even talked on the show before about how Cody Rhodes himself seemed to have huge star potential that WWE never really cashed in on. There are very clear matches that you can go look back on. The the Rhodes Dynasty versus The Shield, uh, him and Damian Sandow, the, the Money in the Bank match he was in, where people are very, very ready to accept Cody Rhodes as, as a top star. Their guy. Big He's, time babyface. Like, he is getting better reactions than everybody in matches with bigger stars. It's a very, it feels organic to go back and look at. I also am a bit of a Stardust apologist. I thought not at the tail end when he was, you know, mostly at the bottom of the card, but but his tag run and his mid-card run, the, the John Cena open challenge, the kick-ass theme song. Even I, when he was teamed up uh, with the Ascension for the Cosmic gosh, Wasteland. I thought the Cosmic Wasteland had some real legs. They never did anything Nothing. with it ever, but it was the coolest use of Ascension ever until this week when they were on uh, Fashion Files. Fashion Files. Or f- uh, Fashion Vice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, he looked awesome with uh, them by the side. I, I really wish they would have gone somewhere with that. When but he had like debuted that Mr. Sinister inspired look exactly. to him. Exactly. So Stardust finishes up with the WWE and he yeah. puts out this list. This yeah. And so, so I remember thinking that like he finally revealed, or at least his wife had made a blog post Brandy detailing Rhodes. their reasons for leaving. And it was like, he actually does hate this character. And he is desperately asked to be himself again. And Vince McMahon refuses to allow him to do that. Even though it made perfect sense. Like, there would be storyline reasons for someone who was too far gone out on this mental odyssey into space that he had been doing like you know even gold dust was like yeah buddy snap out of it gold and, dust he, trying to rein him in. and he couldn't do it his father died that is the most naturally grounding thing that can happen to a human being and as we've also seen with daniel bryan there is nothing that gets a modern crowd to want to cheer for a baby face like something that is real real sympathy that comes from real human emotion like Daniel Bryan losing his father and and just the everything terrible that happened to yeah. him immediately after he won the title. I think that it, could not have endeared him any further as an already endearing character. And I know it's exploitative to yeah, maybe do that. Yeah, he did come out and say, "Hey, I can't believe people want me to do this." But I don't think you're wrong, especially but, a character but as beloved can, as Dusty. And I can think of one person who would have wanted him to do that, and that is Dusty Rhodes himself, <laughs> because like. I remember uh, when Paige 
made that crack against um, Charlotte. Flair, yeah, yeah, about her her uh, brother dying and and Rick being like, "How could you possibly do this?" Just feeling like that was so hypocritical of Rick to say that because he has no doubt drawn on real drama and problems throughout his entire career but when it's something from his own family that's somehow off limits i think dusty would have been all about that i like not that if he would have been like ask him. not that he would have been like i must die so you can come back but i'm like, gonna pass away daddy <laughs> but like that is the kind of thing that as a booker he probably would have exploited himself so i can't feel bad about it being done to his death really but, and it would have been tasteful i'm sure Ultimately, though, I also had this like fear when he left the WWE that he was thinking he was going to head out on the Indies and go to Japan and become like the next AJ Styles. Right. And like, oh my sweet poor boy, no, <laughs> like, you, you, you can't. You're not gonna. You know. Like, and he hasn't. And that is important to note here. I I wouldn't say I'm the world's biggest Cody Rhodes fan, but I don't think he's had that real home run, undeniable arrival match yet. Now, we'll get to him versus Okada this weekend and how that might have a chance to be that, but I, I don't think he's had that, despite having wrestled, I think... Do you know if he wrestled everyone on that dream list he put out? Pretty much. Uh, probably, like, everyone except maybe Chris Hero. But that's who I was thinking. Like, I know Kurt Angle was, like, his first match. I'm yeah. In, like, a ballpark. Yeah. But but despite sort of lining the up... The cage with, match, actually, with Angle, that was pretty was it really? I remember seeing, like, oh, a yeah. big moonsault off WCPW, the top of the I think. Yeah. Um... But but regardless, I still don't, at least from what I've seen, I'm happy to be corrected here by anybody who has seen a match, if they want to send that to one of us at uh, Top Mark Spot on Twitter. I'm happy to watch it and take it in, but I, I don't know, having learned purely that WWE style, he no longer has to play to cameras. He no longer has to taunt to the crowd. There are things that he's been taught from the ground up, foundation pieces of his wrestling game that are no longer applicable in this new world for mm -hmm. him. And I think that's important to note. However, I would say probably... Do you think this ROH win against Chris Daniels is the biggest of his career? Uh, yeah. It's I a would world say title. So. Yeah, it's a world title. It's one of the biggest titles that he can win outside of WWE. Yeah, probably the second like biggest. IWGP. Yeah, know? I think that'd be the biggest. And he's up for that this Sunday. Wait, what about uh, the, the TNA one where they have to go three rounds? King of the Mountain? No, it's it's like the Grand Master Belt or something. I have no idea. Yeah, it has like MMA rules. I've never watched TNA. But I do know that he was one of those guys who went... He and Samoa Joe and maybe AJ Styles are like the only guys who get to go into TNA <laughs> and work and just like walk away completely unscathed. <laughs> yeah, survive. Yeah. Kurt Angle even maybe a little bit. AJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, man, we, we, one day we need to just talk about TNA. But even uh, I was asking, because I don't watch TNA and I yeah. don't watch Ring of Honor, so I put some feelers out to one of my wrestling group chats. And Brian Quinby, who hosts an excellent podcast called Street Fight Radio, he uh, watches a lot of all of those things. Okay. And he basically told me that, yeah, like... Cody has not had that blowaway match. His work okay. rate is like not great. It's probably better than it was in WWE because how could you work all these indie dates and not improve? Right, working a different style. Uh, but like people are into him for his character and for being the guy who left WWE more so than they are for like. Wow, isn't he an amazing worker? Yeah. But even that, I, I disputed a little bit people being like, well, he's got that like fresh out of WWE shine. I'm like, it's been more than a year. 
I he, still think he does. He has like the dusty sunshine. He doesn't have like ex WWE guy because like someone like Wade Barrett like left the company at the exact same time. That guy has gone on to do basically nothing. I want to explain the difference to me though. Is that Wade Barrett was not re-signed. Cody chose to leave. It doesn't feel like a cast-off in like, capacity. But, like, Ryback is not anywhere near the level of Cody right now either. And you don't need has to be to hurting be, my feelings. There has to be something to that beyond just this is a former WWE guy. Yeah. And I don't, like, he's currently, like, the American Nightmare. So mm-hmm. he's doing a, a play on being his father's son, which he should. That's, like, yeah, it's a very... that's what makes him a draw, essentially. Uh but you know, I don't, he was the like the top heel, and and Brian was saying that he has a ton of genuine heat from the Ring of Honor audience. But I did hear a spoiler for their upcoming television. Oh, uh, which is that they did a double turn. Is Dan- that right? Daniels and Kazarian turned heel, and Cody is now babyface. As of like the most recent Ring of Honor TV tape. I wonder what that has. What does that do with his relationship with Bullet Club? I have but no idea. That's a further discussion. Justin, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you a question. I like you know I like to ask you questions. Yes. Here. Do you think Cody Rhodes can get so hot outside of WWE that he becomes the must-have free agent to go back to the Fed? I don't know that it would be on the level of like AJ Styles, and I feel I I think that's what he wanted when he left yeah. was to go I be think so that too. big time indie guy. I do feel like he has put enough of a shine on himself outside of the company that Vince would still have a ton of respect for that because like that is what Vince loves when a guy can leave and still be a top star in some other major company. Like the only reason Del Rio came back for a second run is because El Patron was huge right. on Lucha Underground and CMML. Like, like he, like Vince respects that. And I bet he has a ton of respect as well for Cody winning the ring of honor t- uh, title. Even if like, it's a scripted victory that ultimately means nothing. You know hey, what I mean? hey, hey, hey. But, I mean, like... It's a championship win. He's up for the New Japan top belt against Okada this Sunday. Yeah. And, like, I think it says something about him as a performer, despite the fact that I have not watched any of his independent matches, that I really want to track down this pay-per-view. I, I really want to watch this show on Sunday. I think we will. Um, if we can just talk about that card a little bit before we run out of time here. Uh, we have Cody versus... Okada, which is for the IWGP heavyweight champion. Can, is Cody going to be the guy who ends this truly living historic reign? Ultimately, like, I don't think he will because it's, like, so crazy. But it's also so crazy that it might happen. And there's a lot of people who are becoming, like, invested in this idea that it really could. I also feel like this being the first weekend of big USA shows for New Japan, they need something big to happen. They need a yes. splash for these American shows so that they are a big deal that draw even more when they come back to the States next time. I feel like that huge splash might be Cody winning the title. And you've already got your rematch for Okada Omega like Okada Omega 3 is already happening in the G1 tournament in August, which is really weird to me. Like I don't really follow New Japan, so you might have to explain this to me, but I, don't I thought super close, I thought yeah. that the prize of winning the G1 is that you get the title match at Wrestle Kingdom in January. Is that correct? I don't know. Oh, okay. It might just be like a money in the bank sort of thing where you can ask for a title match at any time. Is that it? You know what? This could be something we could Google. All right. Well, uh regardless, it's Either way, it's some sort of title match 
which makes it incredibly bizarre that the champion is in the tournament. Right. Uh, I think that it is interesting, though, if Okada drops his belt, that Kenny can get his win over him in the tournament, but not win the title still. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a way that you can complete their story without having to put the belt on Kenny Omega. Though, it's also possible that Okada drops the belt on Sunday and they have their match in the G1, but Cody also drops the belt back to Okada or Kenny, one or the other, and sets up another Okada Omega 4 for Wrestle Kingdom because... We all assume that Omega is going to get his win here in the third one. I think so. That still doesn't give you a decisive victor for the feud, though, because they would each be 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You need a fourth match because you've introduced a draw to have a clear victor to the feud, and they could do it. There's a lot of routes that they could go, and I feel like incorporating Cody into that mix in much the same way that Kenny Omega has like a, a lot of outside uh, interest coming from North America, I do feel like Cody is a name that they can draw on to boost that as well. Does he beat Okada on Sunday? No. If I had to bet, I'd say no. And in the last 10 seconds, Justin Morissette, what is your prediction for Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn for the <laughs> IWGP Intercontinental <laughs> Championship? It's got to be Mr. Ass. He's like 50 or something at this you, you point. You think it's the Ass Man's going to go out oh, there and hit yeah. some famous He loves to love him. He loves to kiss him. He's going to win him. He's an ass. He's an ass man. Okay. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) let's get on to round number three. Uh, Before we do that, did you have a Justin? You had a little. You had a little little thing up your sleeve this week, uh, Justin. I figured I better come to this this second recording of this podcast with something that's going to make a little fresh for you. Okay. Okay. Something that's going to make a little fresh. Okay. It is like half time of the podcast, basically. Yeah, so this is the... So we've done two rounds already. We still have a third and a mailbag yet to come. So, Justin, I appreciate that you gave me uh, enough confidence here. J- Justin has no idea what I'm about to do here, ladies no. and gentlemen. I told him that I have a game I want to play. So so here are the rules to the game. Are you okay. Ready? This segment is called Sunday Night Tweet. I like it already. Okay. So what I've done is I've scoured the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been to Twitter before? Yes. I've scoured Twitter. I've never been on there, actually. Yeah, you're not very... There's an account that has my name on it, but it's unverified, so it's uh, not me. Yeah, it could be (laughs) just these posers. Uh, So what I've done is I've scoured the internet for the weirdest tweets, in my opinion, from people on the active WWE roster. What I'm going to do is read aloud the tweet in question, and you're going to guess who is the tweeter. Do you understand the rules? Yes. Okay. So this is somebody on the roster. It's not any wrestler. No, this is... On the WWE roster, here we go. Okay. Tweet number one. ECW was the Vietnam of professional wrestling. That's the whole tweet. The entire tweet. Is, is, that, a, is that a response to anything? It is not a response. It That's is just, just a stray thought. Just He's on this plane, and he says, he's thinking, ECW was the Vietnam of professional wrestling. Uh, some okay. Well, it wouldn't be Paul Heyman because he wouldn't talk about his own company that way. I don't think. So it's probably Rhino. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) it was Rhino. (laughs) Well, he's like the only guy who would have been around at that point. Wow. Maybe if the Dudley Boys were still in WWE, that would have been a harder one for me. But I, uh, yeah, I am impressed. I felt pretty good about that. All right, Justin. Tweet number two. Okay, I'm gonna read this phonetically. When I see a police dug. I deliberately act pure suspicious, <laughs> hopping to get inspected by Sergeant Good Doggy, actual G's a wee cuddle, 
Officer Fluffy. <laughs> Can you read that one more time? Yeah, sure. <laughs> when I see a police dog, I deliberately act uh, pure suspicious, <laughs> hoping to get inspected by Sergeant Good Doggy. Actual G's a wee cuddle, Officer Fluffy. Oh, uh, that's this sounds like uh, European. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. There's definitely some sort of slang going on there uh, from the British Isles. I will say Finn Balor. A good guess, but the tweeter in question was Noam Dar. Oh, Noam Dar. Uh, took good a, guess, took a, though. He was able to hang up the FaceTime for just a little bit there to, to <laughs> get some tweets in. Justin, uh, you're, you're not a huge politics guy, are you? Uh, no, I mean, sort of. Yeah. Sometimes, on occasion. You're not the most political guy, though. No. But this wrestler, he's got some political thoughts. Are oh, you ready? Yes. Here's the tweet. Okay. Way too many snakes in our country and government. Way too many snakes. That's all it says. In our country and government. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, now I know two guys in particular are known for their politics. Okay. And that's Kane oh. and Rhino. Okay. But Rhino's already been an answer. And I feel like even as a libertarian, Kane might not want to call people snakes. But some guy who calls people snakes and is a snake himself is the Viper oh. Randy Orton. <laughs> so this is a it, it is not Randy Orton. Oh, I thought he would be complimenting them he's, by he's saying that snack. everyone's a snake. Uh, <laughs> you thought it'd be a compliment. <laughs> yeah. uh, un- unfortunately, not. This comes from uh, none other than current Raw highlight Goldust. What? Who thinks that there are way too many snakes in our country and government? Wow. Okay. Chester, are there you... are way too many snakes in the Golden Truth, too. That's why something had to be done. I would just say there's too many snakes. <laughs> Don't much care for snakes myself. Solid, liquid. Oh, I love the Metal Gears. Gaseous. There's okay. They're the only good snakes. Are you ready for? There's, is there's there two a more. Gaseous snakes. I now there is. Yeah, Gaseous. <laughs> he's he's a great man. He's for for years, science has theorized <laughs> of a third gaseous <laughs> snake. He's, he's an amazing man. He's <laughs> Kojima's creation. Okay, Justin. So Mojo Raleigh tweeted. Yes. Six months ago, I carried at Zack Ryder out of the arena with a dislocated knee. Today. We walked off together victorious. The hype bros are back. The tweeter you need to guess retweeted this tweet and said, Yeah, but hasn't he carried you in every single hype bros match? Uh. (laughs) Now this is someone off the WWE roster actively (laughs) shitting on Mojo Riley's in-rig work. Mojo Riley. I'm going to guess with their uh, their current feud, which is the Usos. I'm going to say... Jimmy Uso wrote that. That is a good guess, but Justin, I've got to tell you to face the facts. This was Kurt Hawkins (laughs) shitting all over (laughs) Mojo Rawley. You mean the same Kurt Hawkins who got three punches in on Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw, which forced Booker T on commentary to say, this is the best he's ever looked (laughs) in his entire career before he was immediately dismantled and destroyed by Seth frickin' Rollins? The one and the same. All right. Well, that's a bold tweet there. Justin, are you ready for this final tweet? I am. So someone asked the tweeter in question. Okay. Is it true that your last meal on death row would be a box of toaster strudels? This wrestler says, false. For my last meal, 
I would have a bowl of chicken and rice. A bowl of chicken and so rice. So her <laughs> dream meal, this wrestler, <laughs> <laughs> the very last meal that they get to eat is a bowl of chicken and rice. You said her. So oh, I, I don't know if I said that. I feel like you did. So yeah, I don't know. I guess a woman this time. Tough to say. Uh, Could be anything. I don't know what they are. Toaster strudel is a very childish meal to okay. eat. Oh, I see you're going So I'm going to go with Bailey. It is not the inflatable one. It is Nia Jax. Nia Jax. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, chicken and rice. That's a good meal. Yeah, good meal. Pretty I good. might go for some of that. Once yeah, it's unrecorded. I see you eat chicken and rice every now and then. Exactly. Uh, what did you think of this segment? What do you I think liked of Sunday it. Night it was tweet? great. It was, it was fun. Great. Yeah, it really challenges your knowledge of the roster and everyone on it. Because I completely forgot that Kurt Hawkins existed, <laughs> even though you watched him this week. <laughs> exactly. I'm still stunned you got Rhino. But with that, let's get into round number three. Round three, fight! Justin, everybody knows you're a ladies' man. This is a known thing. I'm, uh, I'm known to be a lady killer on occasion. This is, this is a, a known thing. But Single not only... and ready to mingle? Not only do the ladies love Justin Morissette. Justin Morissette loves him some women's wrestling. I, True? I do. I feel like I uh, kicked the hornet's nest a little bit with my takes on Money in the Bank last week. Yeah, I was very clear to any sort of female listenership. I... Vehemently disagree. I vehemently disagree with anything. Condemned all of my opinions. Yeah, Justin's a horrible guy. Is what I have to say. Well, (laughs) on occasion, I am known to be. Uh, But no, I do really enjoy uh, the women's wrestling that is on display in WWE at the moment, and like the women's wrestling that you and I get to see when we go frequent our local indie. For example, oh my goodness! And in fact, we may be so lucky as to see one of our local darlings appear in uh, the May Young Classic this uh, summer. Uh, it's that's entirely what possible. Saying, it's know. very rumored. She appeared already on an NXT episode. Uh, but this is a big week for the women in WWE because every single show, yeah. including NXT, put women's matches in its main event. And it is also a big deal because it didn't feel like a big deal. Ex- Justin, you said it perfectly. I think the best part about this week was that they worked hammering you over the head with this aren't, is the first time the women aren't we so progressive for doing this three nights in a row it was just presented as wrestling and as they equivalent. and they challenged you to notice on your own exactly and I, I thought this was was uh, a show of great confidence on the wwe's part that they feel comfortable to just main event raw with nia Jax tossing people around and it wasn't it was a gauntlet match but this wasn't a title match this wasn't anything. This It is a step, but it's no big step. It was just a women's match main eventing Raw. And I think that shows how far we've come. Yeah, and it's a big deal also. We talked last week about how Raw is a much improved show over the last month. But the one problem with it, beyond the fact that people don't really care about the cruiserweights, is that Raw's women's division is trash. Yeah. To the point where I almost don't know how you can fix it other than just burning it down and starting over again. Do you think this gauntlet match was a good start to resetting I it? do feel like, yeah, it's about as close to a reset as you can get on WWE TV because you are representing every single woman on the roster. And granted, some of them are being presented specifically so that they can be destroyed by Nia Jax. But we watched the show together. You remarked as it was happening how cool it was that Nia got to get so many victories in a row where she used a different finish. Yeah, every I had no time. idea. It, it, it was, you know, Nia Jax is not a tremendous in ring worker, in my opinion. But watching her in that gauntlet match, I realized how many spots she has. And she has potential. I think there yeah. is a need for a Nia Jax 
on the show. But is Nia Jax the Nia Jax? Because I think there's so much room for a woman of her size. And but the, but the presentation, what they're telling you and what she's doing aren't the same. And I feel like she's miscast. Yeah. Because like I think that there is room for someone of her size and stature to still be a babyface. Just because you're big does not mean that you have to be a monster heel. No, she seems because, like a beautiful, nice person. Yeah, there was an episode of Ride Along this week that oh. aired after Monday Night Raw, and they sold it as being an episode of Ride Along that was going to have Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens in a car together, okay. which was funny. But the real meat of the comedy oh. on this episode this week came from the second car full of people, which had a trio of people in it and a very, very strange group. Who is it? It was Corey Graves. Um, fuck, what is his name? Commentary for SmackDown. Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips and Nia Jax. What? They were all in a car together. Nia was in like the back seat. And yeah, Tom and Corey were up front. And they were like, they spent the entire time grilling her on her like bizarre relationship with Byron Saxton <laughs> in that like by, like Byron obviously wants to date Naya and she does not she's not like she just wants to be friends basically oh Byron so, so they even got her to like call Byron on speakerphone and have him like describe things or just ask pointed questions to him while Tom and Corey are up front and can like not contain how fucking bad they want to be laughing hysterically. That is, uh, that sounds, is it worth watching? Yeah, it's very much worth watching. And she was super charming when she got to be herself because she seems like a great person. It's how she came across on Breaking Ground too, which is why I wonder if now, and, and again, I understand that you see some of that stature and the, the natural thought is, oh, this is going to be our, our female Braun Strowman. This is going to be our ass kicker. But if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Maybe And I instance- also feel like if, if they want to tap into the zeitgeist of what is going on with the larger world of women, which they seem to want to do with this women's revolution, basically, is tap into the movement of women's sport being taken seriously, then you should also look at the fact that, like, Someone like an Ashley Graham, like a plus-sized model, yeah. being in like Sports Illustrated, which is what Nia used to be before she became a wrestler, Like that is a cause of celebration. Women love that, and they want to see more of I that. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I'm not like I'm just thinking specifically of like what my ex-girlfriend like, loved Nia Jax, yeah. because seeing someone with that body type presented in the way that she was on television is a very rare thing. Very cool. Uh, and she was, like, super into that, and I feel like they are missing on capitalizing on perhaps a bigger babyface run for her than they're going to get out of a heel that doesn't quite connect. Maybe for that heel character, they need someone who is like most girls. Yes, <laughs> but uh, for this gauntlet match, I do feel like it was a good refresher. It rebuilt Nia back up as a monster, probably bigger than she's felt in quite a long time. Definitely bigger. And it made Sasha feel like a huge deal to be the one to beat her ultimately also. And that stare down uh, with Alexa at the end was like, I'm into this match. I want to see it at, at Great Balls of Fire. I feel like the build to almost every program is, for Great Balls of Fire has been lights out. Yeah. And finally, there's a women's match and a pay-per-view on Raw that I'm actually looking forward to, and I have not been able to say that in quite a long time because I feel like since February, when they 
like had Bailey win before WrestleMania, it's just been nonstop Raw women's division bungles. That did feel like oh, I did like the the four way at Mania, but I agree that in terms of Raw's output, that is when it started feeling like a. Uh, more secondary. Let, let's move on to the blue brand. What did you think of the the Money in the Bank this week? Carmella, for those who may not have watched, Carmella, if you like, retained her Money in the Bank. They did a rematch of that match. Ellsworth still got involved, but not in... He wasn't the one actually grabbing the case, which seemed to be the holding point for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you think of this? Right idea, keeping it on Carmella? Ouch. We've covered multiple times over, spent a long time on it last week, that she's the only person... And also already this week. Yeah. Who, she's the only person who can have that briefcase. She's the only person for whom it makes sense to have the briefcase and for whom it actually benefits to have that gimmick as well. Uh, but beyond that, like, I thought the match was really good. It was kind of strangely slow in a few points, and as much as people want to complain about what is James Ellsworth doing in a women's ladder match, the reason is, none of those ladies wanted to bump off ladders. And like, look, I don't blame them. It's crazy oh. that, that men do that, but that is what we've become accustomed to. It if, did you're gonna, seem... if you're going to have a ladder match in WWE, somebody's going to go off the ladder. And multiple points, it seemed like the ladder spots were like moving in slow motion. Or the first time when it looked like Carmella was going to win, everybody flocked into the ring, and instead of what in the men's match would be a spot where you pushed the ladder over, they just picked her up and shuffled her to a different part of the ring. There were a few spots where I was wondering what exactly they were thinking. It didn't feel like an extreme match. But that's what James Ellsworth was there for because he was the one person in that ring who was willing to go off the top of the ladder, eat shit into the ropes, and (laughs) bail hard to the outside. Now, it is crazy that Jeff Hardy has been doing that to his own body for 20 years. It's insane, but... It's what we've been conditioned as an audience to expect, and if you're going to have a ladder match, you do need to deliver on that in some way, and that's why James Ellsworth is there, ladies. It's not because he's taking away from women's wrestling. It's that he's doing the things they are not willing to do. It, and I understand why. Like I don't. I'm not saying that Becky Lynch sucks because she's not diving off a ladder. I understand that that would probably like kill her in a way it would not kill. Uh, Kevin, know, Owens. Kevin Owens. Or what whatever. I'm hearing, though, is that you don't think women should be allowed to vote. Is that accurate or inaccurate? <laughs> I think women's suffrage is great. And I said suffrage, not suffering. <laughs> I think their suffering is terrible. Uh, I agree, though, Justin. I thought while well, I was watching the match that there were some points. Uh, I can't remember who was on the ladder, but Charlotte basically assisted. It looked very clear that she was slowing this ladder down. It was to, Carmella like, again. It just, I like, think. touched the ropes. Didn't it bounce yeah, off the ropes? Yeah, and then Carmella was, like, still on it while it was leaning on the ropes and, like, looked from side to side. It looked like a blown spot. Like, things were just moving in slow motion. I, I was but on the whole, it was, like, still a really fun match, and I had a great time watching it, and it still had some great spots in it. Yeah. And ultimately, Carmella still got to grab the case herself, but she also cheated to do so by using a steel chair to the back of Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch, I think, is the only woman on this entire main roster who has not been damaged by booking in any way. Yeah, she has that that Sami Zayn thing, where even when she's not in something all too interesting or even winning, that the crowd still seems very with Becky. Because every time she loses, she should be the winner. Like, every... Single, both of the Women's Money in the Bank matches presented Becky as the natural winner who got cheated out of what rightfully belongs to her, which further endears her 
puts more heat on Carmelo for not be- having Becky win, and Becky stays strong, ultimately, as even when she lost the women's title on SmackDown, it was like Mickey James who cheated her out of it. She keeps getting cheated, and she has not had her moment to avenge those losses at this point, but people still buy in. I also think there's something very Sami Zayn about that, because when Sami was like the middle card jobber to the stars on Raw, I know a lot of people our friends, and probably yourself included, felt that that was a big-time misuse of him. Yeah. But I thought Sammy stayed really strong throughout that whole run because that was right when you had made Kevin Owens your universal champion, immediately after Sammy had got a decisive, clean feud victory. And a great match. Over him. The match of the year, basically. Uh, and... And, like, he was the guy, as Kevin Owens is, like, sneakily escaping with his title from week to week, Sammy is the one guy who beat your champ clean, and if he could get a title match, could be Universal There's Champion. every reason to think he can do it again. And every time he lost to, like, a Seth Rollins or a Chris Jericho or any number of guys who were above him on the pecking order, it was because he convincingly sold an injury. He, he would, yeah. like, every single week, you would watch his matches and be genuinely concerned, even as someone who is, like, in on the business being a work, being what? like, oh, my God, he just, like, blew out his rotator cuff, because, A, he's done that before, or just, like, badly damaged his knee or something. There was always No one sells an injury like him. No yeah, one. exactly. And there was always that out in every loss that, my God, this man would be the most dominant guy on the roster if only he wasn't getting hurt all the time. Yeah, I'd like to see and Becky. And even, Be- even Becky this week, she couldn't climb up the ladder again because... Like, Carmella had damaged her knee to the point that when she tried to climb back up, Carmella had time to grab a chair and whack her in the back, and that's the finish. It it does seem weird to me that Becky isn't in the Naomi spot right now. Yeah, because there was a time, I feel like, when Naomi was the most over woman on either roster. She was. And that time seems to have faded. I feel like that now... That title now belongs to Becky Lynch. Like, even uh, people with kids. Kids who were into Bailey because she's, like, their, you know... uh, Avatar. Their avatar, their self-insert, have shifted that allegiance to Becky. Because, you know, I don't think Bailey is beyond repair. I've said this about a number of different wrestlers to you, to our friends when we talk about wrestling, that I don't think bad booking ever kills any wrestler. Yeah. Every wrestler is always just as important as they are presented. Look at gender. Exactly. So you can tell me that someone is super important, even though they've been a complete trash idiot for months, and I will believe <laughs> that I should invest a in this character again. Because that's what Bailey is right now. Yeah. She's just stupid. Like, she, it is not a commendable babyface thing to be so pure of heart that you cannot swing a kendo stick. It's just idiotic. It's very you bad. are a big, dumb idiot, and I feel like I've wasted my time being invested in you. Sandman was one of the biggest babyfaces of all time. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna name drop the Sandman, you better swing that kendo stick. If you're gonna name drop Steve Blackman, you better at <laughs> least play some tribal drums. I needed that from you at the very least. If you're gonna drop Sandman's name, you better marry me. But like it's just it felt like a waste of Bailey. Yeah. Uh, that they've just completely wiped her out. And she's not in the plans at the moment. I feel like if you make Sasha the key star on Raw, which it looks like they are planning to, if not at Great Balls of Fire, then certainly 
in Brooklyn at SummerSlam. That is the time for the Sasha Banks coronation that we all wanted in Boston last year. She can be just as hot as she should have been two years ago. And she was that hot from the minute they brought her up to, from NXT. They just waited a year to do anything with her. She was like third fiddle in I, Team Bad behind Tamina even. I really, which is nuts to I, think about now. I really feel like Sasha Banks has a bit of Dean Ambrose syndrome right now where I still think the best run is them as heels. I think the the turn on Bailey as a heel at SummerSlam but you will can launch get, Sasha. But, and you can get that, have her win as a face, and then, yeah, bring Bailey back into the fold as Sasha's having her moment, and then heel vicious Sasha comes back out, and you've rehabilitated both characters at the same time. Now, what we haven't talked about is NXT, uh, which also had a main event match yeah. with Nikki Cross and Asuka. I haven't watched it, but you did. I did watch it. And I thought it was very good. Uh, one minute left. I think, let's talk about Asuka's reign in, in general. This was a good match, well worth seeking out, I think, and I hope you watch it. I, will, I definitely will. I haven't had a chance to yet, but uh, I certainly will. B- but, spoiler, Asuka retains, as I'm sure you suspected. Of course. Uh, it, it brings her her streak to some some crazy number, far beyond Goldberg's. This, this woman's never lost, and I think they can really do something special with Asuka. I think... Now, I don't have every reason to believe that they're going to be able to capitalize on what I see in Asuka, but I'd love to see her up on the rosters. Do you, do you have a show you'd like to see her on? Uh, probably SmackDown, because I trust it to handle her better, even though Shinsuke Nakamura is being scripted in a way that should make me question that. That's I, what I was going to say. I still have that faith that they'd do a better job than Raw. I, I, consi- I feel like the Raw women's division needs her more, though. Yeah, and uh, now I think Asuka-Charlotte is the match that I'd like to get to eventually, yeah. so maybe I should say SmackDown there. But uh, to put a bow on all this, each show main events uh, with a women's match, none they of it were feels all weird. It was all great, and we'll go a touch over 15 minutes here just no, so I can won't. say... Ah, oh, dang it. That <laughs> I really... I nope. have one more. Nope. All right. Well, maybe I'll find a way to bring it up in the questions. If only you had Twitter. <laughs> If you want to know what Justin was going to say there, go it, to Twitter. I guess I nope. said it before. Don't you dare. It didn't feel like a big deal. Can't, can't, That's why it's perfect. Um, no, one's, no one's listening. They, they, oh, they, right. they heard the buzz. All right. Well, do we have some questions this week? Justin, oh, do we ever. We have some great questions this week. And thank you so much for sending them in, everybody. It's it's always a treat getting these in. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna start with a, an email question. If anybody wants to doesn't have a Twitter account and they're listening to this, you can email us at topmarkspod. At gmail.com. And someone actually did that? Someone actually did that. Jeremy did that. Oh, my God. So thank you, Jeremy. Uh, And he gave us a a pretty simple question here, Justin. One I think that we're both capable of answering. Jeremy asks, who are both of your favorite wrestlers on the main roster? Who? There's a lot. Like, Kevin Owens is, like, my guy. I have a couple guys. Seth Rollins is one of them also. But for someone who I think reliably provides the most entertainment, both in ring and on the mic, the total package, the guy who I Lex would, Luger, the guy who I would pay money to see, the guy who I would risk my life driving through a, a winter blizzard <laughs> for six hours to go. We, we should see tell that story on this one day. Is AJ Styles, and I yeah. have done just that because he's the best in the world. And how could he not be your favorite? Yeah, I think that's a, a great answer. But you're uh, going to go with someone else. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> come on, player. What? Uh, for me, it, it's my dude. It's the the socially aware punk rocker, Sami Zayn. Uh, there's nothing I don't like about this guy. His politics uh, are great, which is rare for a wrestler in particular. He, he loves a lot of the same music I do. In ring, I think he's a dynamo. I, 
I love Sami Zayn, or as his Twitter handle says, I like Sami Zayn. He, he's one wrestler that I would like to meet and just let him know, hey, man, thanks very much. God, that photo of him and Roberto Luongo when Amazing. they were in Florida a couple weeks ago, he just seems like the best guy. Uh, and and since you gave a few answers, I'm also going to throw in the top guys in there. I love everything about the revival. I think Scott Dawson is unbelievably underrated. I mean, I the matches, the best card on every match they're on, the promos, I, I love everything about the revival. All right. We got a question here from... Uh, Blair Pacheco. I hope I'm saying that right. It might Hello, be Pacheco. Uh, and he says, since I was just thinking about the Punjabi prison, which of course got brought back on SmackDown this week. Oh man, I'm excited. Blair asks, if you could revive one gimmick match from WCW, which would it be and who would be in it? Now, obviously the Punjabi prison, not from WCW, no. but WCW infamous for having a slew of, of uh, you know, unbelievable... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's... Gimmick matches over the years. When we got this question, I Googled just to see if there was anything that I was clearly missing. And unfortunately, I'm staying with the, the boring, obvious answers. But it has to be War Games. The War Games matches are tremendous. Don't, don't you think? The, the two rings within the cage? Yeah. Uh, I, think... I mean, I have, I've only seen one War Games match ever. Do you remember which one it was? Uh, you showed it to me, and I think Steve Austin was in it. It was probably from 92 or yeah, 93. So, okay. But but do you remember enjoying it? Yeah, it was great. It was kind of weird for me to learn the rules initially. Sure, it's very the, convoluted. Get knocked out, this but sort of thing. yeah, just the awesome. I, I think it's a visual spectacle. The two rings beside each other bring just it gives these guys spots that you're not able to do. It makes everything feel very new. Uh, in terms of the combatants that would be in it. I'd like to see that be Team Raw versus Team SmackDown at Survivor Series this year. Do oh, your Survivor Series match in War Games. One entrant in- enters at a time. Uh, I think there's a lot of legs to that, and I would I would love it. So my answer is War Games, and I apologize for taking the boring option. No, that's answer. fine. That's fine. I thought you, you were going to pick that one, so I went wildly off the board. <laughs> oh, no. Is this something on a poll? No. Well, maybe. I was... <laughs> I was very disappointed having gone to a wrestling show in Vancouver this past weekend and not seeing uh, uh, someone on a pole yeah, match. That Judy Bagwell was in Vancouver. Well, it was. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. at the Pacific Coliseum. <laughs> and I, I didn't get to see that as a child, so I was hoping that like maybe if Jinder and Seth were going to have a match, they'd have like a, a Sing Brothers on a pole match, basically. <laughs> Wait, what is a Sing Brothers <laughs> on a pole match? Well, like if, if Seth wins, then the Sing Brothers become like the new J&J security. <laughs> so like, they're, they're <laughs> fighting for the ownership? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the deeds to the Singh brothers are on the line. Well, like what what would have happened if Buff had not won the Judy Bagwell match? Does Judy just become the other guy's mom? I don't know. Exactly. I don't really know. So I was disappointed that I didn't see that, but that's not what I'm going to pick. What's your choice, My Justin? choice this week, uh, probably the most infamous gimmick match in WCW history. Oh. Now we have, at this very moment, two of... of the the greatest big men in the game going head to head. I I don't know that you'd call Roman Reigns like a big man necessarily. Sure, yeah. But Braun Strowman certainly is. Back in the day, we saw. I don't even know when this was. I believe it was at Halloween Havoc in oh, 1995. Are you the truck? We saw two <laughs> big men go head to head in a classic match. Yes. <laughs> I am going with uh, the Sumo Monster Truck Competition. Oh, my God. In 1995, it was Hulk Hogan versus The Big Show, <laughs> who at the time, I think, just went by the giant Paul White. Yeah, just the giant. Uh, and I believe, being a sumo match, the purpose of the thing, like, the only way to win 
was to push oh the God. other guy's monster truck off, a roof. off the roof of the arena <laughs> and send him crashing to what we can only assume is his imminent death. <laughs> now, I want to bring this back in 2017 for the two big men in a big feud who need the big blow-off. This ambulance match is not going to be the end, but they're going to stay in vehicles, and they are going to have a monster truck sumo competition between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman at SummerSlam, where the loser has their monster truck pushed off the roof of the Barclays Center. Okay, I changed my answer to yours. Yeah, (laughs) I knew you would. That is... uh... How did you... Tremendous answer. Uh, This one comes to us... How did I think of that? Because it's the stupidest thing associated with WCW that I could possibly think of. Even worse than WCW 2000... Or NWO 2000. All right, Justin. This one comes to us from our dear friend, my bandmate, all around just swell homeboy, uh, Matt Prince, at Mr. Matty Pie on Twitter. And he asks, if you guys could switch one person... Prince Pretty. Oh, boy. You just changed his bum life, didn't you? I guess so. You just changed his bum life. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Matt asks, if you could switch one person from two separate feuds and put them in each other's spots, who would it be and why? Ooh. So this question is, I clarified this with him, the guys move to other feuds so you get a fresher matchup, something you don't like, you think they might be better positioned against someone else. Okay. Um, do you want to go first on this? Yeah, I, I thought of my answer for this, uh, and I'm really happy with it. Okay, go ahead. So I am swapping Roman Reigns and the Drifter. So the <laughs> the feuds in my WWE are Braun Strowman versus the Drifter, <laughs> and Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns. So Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns, a match that people want to see, right? You you want to see that? Yeah, I'm, I'd be into that. That could be a good feud. They've had good some build. good matches. But the two of them they already. The, I think they, they had a one-on-one match on Raw. Yeah, that's the one. That, and then the Extreme Rules That was Finn's match. debut. And then, of course, yeah, they were both in that Extreme Rules match. And some uh, would say, I might say even, had some of the best spots in that match were between the two of them. We can discuss that another day. Yes. However, so no one, no one is questioning me on the Roman and Ballard part. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't thinking they would. However, I think Braun versus the Drifter has some real legs. Oh. I think, imagine this. Drifter's out there, he's tuning his guitar, the people are booing. Who gets bigger reactions on the show when they show up than anybody right now? Uh, probably Papa Braun. It's Papa Braun. Imagine Papa Braun coming out to interrupt that tuning. He doesn't hit him with the guitar or anything. He stands over him while he's tuning. Drifter looks up, and Braun kills him. He throws him into the audience. It would be the, the most beloved anyone's been in the history of anything. Yeah, I kind of want to see like the Jeff Jarrett spot, too, where like the Drifter... <laughs> Like goes to smash the guitar over Braun, and he does, but then it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Zero harm. Braun, yeah, just completely no-sells the whole thing. He Slater did that to Ryback a couple years ago. Oh, hit really? Him, yeah, he hit him with a guitar, and Ryback was just like, uh-huh, that's cute. <laughs> uh, so, so that's why I'm swapping. Do you have any ideas for this one, Justin? Yeah, I was also, I thought about uh, involving the Drifter in mine because Finn Balor seems like a, a mismatched opponent for him, but I will go for the other matchup that I am extremely bored of seeing at the moment. Oh. Okay. And that is the Hardys versus the Bar. Now, oh, I God. love Sheamus and Cesaro. Sure. I think they are a great act. I think they have carried the Hardy Boys to a number of great matches since the Hardys returned. But that is literally all we have seen yeah. since the Hardys returned 
every single possible combination of every guy and every different match type they could possibly do, basically. Well, they haven't done the monster sumo truck. No, they haven't done, yet. like, an Inferno match either. So maybe we'll see that at Great Balls of Fire. Oh. oh. Seems, seems like a, they need an Inferno match there. That's going to happen, it's isn't it? Be, it's not very on brand. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm going to swap out Sheamus and Cesaro for my favorite act over on SmackDown, and that is... The Fashion Police. Oh, yeah. So, fashion Police are now the tag team champions on Raw. Hell, yeah. And they are just, like, ticketing the Hardy Boys left and right <laughs> for, their, like, their awful fashion. The R-bands. Like, yeah, Matt Matt is already... He's not broken yet, but he's getting there. The hair is a mess. His clothes are just stupid. Jeff Hardy is doing the same fucking shit he's been doing for, like, 17 years. And I think there's comedy gold in the fashion police, like ticketing him for wearing his like torn stockings on his arms and stuff answer. like yeah and just i think they'd have great matches too because uh i think brizango who i just realized this week that even the name of their tag team is a hilarious joke yeah because when it first debuted i was like well this is like how are they not named febreze that's uh, the obvious, obvious choice yeah. I just realized that that is a joke about how stupid they are. <laughs> they couldn't figure out what the natural name of their tag team would be. And what's the flip um, side to yours? Is it Ascension versus Cesaro then? No, yeah. I guess it's like Sheamus and Cesaro are now solving mysteries over on SmackDown. <laughs> I would also watch Yeah, that. I would love to see them be like a, <laughs> a crime-fighting duo. But yeah, the number one thing is that I like as funny as... Uh, the fashion police are. I do feel like they also have the chops in the ring that if you just dial down the comedy a little bit, like keep them funny, but serious them up enough to take them as legit fighters also, that they have their in-ring uh, ability to be great champions. I like it. And that's what I want to see. You got a question for me? I do. This one comes to us from uh, Mike Paris. I think it's Paris. He asks... Do we feel okay that part two of the big cast heel turn was a total ripoff of the DIY breakup from TakeOver Chicago? Yeah, I've seen this bandied about a little bit. Uh, I I have no problem with it. I thought they were both excellent. I fully bought into both. Uh, I didn't even put two and two together that they were that closely related off the get. I, I think just friendship dying in general has been a real theme of WWE this year with Jericho, uh, DIY... Goldust and our truth. No, I have no problem with it. What did you think? I never bought into the possibility of Cass and Enzo getting back together. Like I sort of did, but not in the way. Like you were fully into it and you oh, yeah. loved it. I loved it, and you loved it because you know friends fight, relationships Families fall on hard times. Fight. And Enzo's performance was so captivating when he's saying, listen, I'm not willing to let this go. Yeah. I'm going to fight to keep us together. I thought that was amazing. Pulling in, again, real-world drama by mentioning seeing Cass as the first thing he saw when he woke up from yeah. being concussed last year. Uh, it was really an effective performance. I think over the last three weeks, Enzo Amore has shown himself to be by far the best actor in WWE. I don't know who could argue with Bar that. Bar none. It is insane to me that they put someone like Randy Orton into their WWE Studios films who has all of the charisma <laughs> of a cardboard cutout of Randy Orton. Uh, you could just put like a Stan D in his place and people would be like, hey champ, looking slim. 
Uh, like no <laughs> How'd one you get so tell. much charisma? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They exactly. would say that to the cutout. Whereas like Enzo could be a, a legit actor. Yeah, he's like, very good. He is one of those guys who's not that good at wrestling and genuinely doesn't need wrestling. If he left the WWE, like if this breakup with him and Cass was the end of him as a wrestler, he would be better off because he has the talent to be in movies, to be in television, and genuinely pull off convincing, effective performances. That is how good he has been over the last three weeks. Having said that, as I was watching that segment, it just made me feel weird. Like, what the fuck is... Like, there? as much as I understand that friends fight and they get over it... We it, might fight one day. It, I'm sure we might. I hope that day never comes. And yeah, if we oof. did, that I would hope that one of us would be strong enough to say, God damn it, I refuse to let this go. Um, <laughs> but... It, it, like as much as it felt like a real life thing, and you were like, well, "They've never done this before. This has never happened. They've never done it for a reason." It felt it felt like the writers were just like trying to erase the previous month's plotline, which okay. was a mistake because that plotline was so good. Did now, you have a problem with it as it relates to DIY? Not really, because I I mean I saw the DIY breakup coming. I I I'd seen that coming for a long time. I thought they were going to do it. Uh, at the uh, Brooklyn takeover on SummerSlam weekend Oh, interesting. Last year. See, I didn't just because I felt like NXT's tag division needed them so badly. So I really didn't even think it was on the table. I thought they were going to break up then. Instead, they hugged it out, and that like deepened my emotional connection to them, which nice. made the eventual breakup even worse. Right. Uh, but I, I feel like what Mike is driving at is that they just dragged it out for so long. Because like with DIY, they even put the logo up on the screen that the show was over when was clearly... Great. The show continued, uh, but you know, I th- I thought the DIY breakup was great, and it's mildly similar, but great segments, great breakups, great feuds, both of them. So completely agree, no problem at all. You ready for the last question for this week, Justin I sure Morrison? Am. This one's uh, I like this question. It's straightforward, okay. and thank you all for again sending these in. This is great. Uh, this one comes from Michael J. Faust, Foist, Foist maybe, Foist maybe. Apologies if I said it wrong, and he just asks. Best wrestling hair of all time? Ooh, can I pick worst wrestling hair of all time first? No. No? Oh, stick to the question. What was I, the question? I know, but like... Your I listening have a, comprehension I have is... a great no. answer for this one. No. It's... Can't do it. It's Triple H nope. when he was no. like... Mm. when in During Evolution, when he was like trying <laughs> yeah. to be Ric Flair really and had bad. the Flair hair. It's really bad. Just the worst thing it's I've ever really seen. really bad hair. Awful. Okay, now you don't get to say best. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> No, we're counting that as your answer for best hair, because that was the question. No, I got a best for one, too. For me, the best hair in wrestling of all time is Paul Heyman. Really? Although Chris Jericho initially came to mind for me, just with all the different styles over the years, Paul Heyman in peak, like, sleazy, awful guy Paul Heyman with yeah. the ponytail is so perfect, I have a hard time describing it. It is the the balding, the ponytail. It's it's so horrible, he's, it's perfect he's for him. trash. Exactly right. And Best that's how he it. should look. Bingo. Uh, I'm going to go with CM Punk. The short hair, oh. slicked back punk, like, yeah. greased look. If only because, like, it made him look so much like an action figure. Like, it was, <laughs> it's like toy hair. Like, like his like, hair was like a Lego band. Exa- you could put it exa- on a different guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's my choice, CM Punk. I like it. I love it. Can't get enough of it. You're not kidding, man. And do you have any advice for the folks before we send them on their way this week? Well, this week I was thinking, I had a long car drive this week, and I was thinking, you know, sometimes people aren't 
hot, spicy, and taste great enough. That was <laughs> that was sort of what I was yeah. thinking. And so, some like you're probably hungry also. Yeah, yeah so you were thinking like I could go for something right now. Yeah. But if I was to go for something, what would it be like? I'd want it to taste great. There's no doubt about it. I think if you were to be a man who was also food, <laughs> the three qualities you would want to have were he's, he's hot, hot, he's spicy, he tastes, tastes 